Good morning. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Happy Lagba Omer. Today's Lagba Omer, the 33rd day of the Omer. Happy Lagba Omer. This week's Torah portion, the Parsha Bahar, begins by discussing the laws of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, which in fact we are experiencing this year. 5782 is the Shemitah year. We've been discussing it and we're going to talk about it at greater length tonight. Mining the Riches of the Parsha, 7 p.m., please join us. And we're going to discuss that at greater length. Then, so that's every seven years. You work the land in Israel for six years, and the seventh year, you let the land rest. Then, the Torah says, you count seven cycles of seven years. That's 49 years. And then, then we sanctify the 50th year, and that's called the Yovel year. Now, we do not observe Yovel today. It was observed during the time of the Torah. Earlier this week, we talked a little bit about the Yovel year, the 50th year, in terms of Evet Ivri, someone who was required to work off a debt, or and also the subject of blowing the shofar. But let's talk about something much more fundamental and much more far-reaching, and that is as follows. So what happens in a Yovel year? So you have seven times seven. So year 49 is a Shemitah year. Don't work the land. Year 50 is a Yovel year. Same rules as Shemitah. Don't work the land. But it's on steroids. It's it's more. In the Yovel year, each person returns to their original inheritance. What does that mean? What that means is as follows. In the Yovel year, any property, real estate in Israel, that had been sold since the last Yovel, in the last 50 years, returns to its original owner. Just think about that for a second. You're talking about a major transformation of life and society. All property, every house, every building, every field, every piece of land that was sold in the previous 50 years, it could have been 49 years ago, it could have been a week ago, it returns to its original owner. And what that means is there is no such thing in Torah law in Israel There's no such thing as absolute ownership of real property, of real estate. The only thing that there is, is leasing. When you buy something, a piece of land, you're really only leasing it. And that's why the Torah says as follows. When you buy a a property, field, house, whatever it is, the value, the, the, the cost, will be related to how many years until the next Yovel, because you're only going to have it until the next Yovel year. So you figure out the value and the cost, let's say it's a field, based on how many years worth of crops you're going to get. You're, you're, when you buy a field, you're not really buying it. You are buying the right to harvest the crops for a certain number of years. So 
if you're buying it and there's two years left till Yovel, so you're actually, the, the price you're paying is really a lease for two years worth of crops. That's going to be your income. If you're buying it earlier, let's say 40 years before Yovel, the, the value is going to be much higher because you have 40 years, 40 crops, years worth of crops to be able to harvest. So the value, so the value goes up and down depending on where in the Shemitah, in the Yovel cycle you are. It's, 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 it's radical. It is transformational. And the, here is the basis for it, the reason for it. The Torah says in our parsha, There's no such thing as selling any piece of real estate in perpetuity. Doesn't exist. How could that be? If I buy uh, an object, it's mine forever. I don't have to give that back after, after Yovel. But land, I have to give back. It goes to its original owner. Why? God says, Kili haaretz. Because it doesn't belong to you. God says it belongs to me. It's my earth. It's my land. You are, we, human beings, we are visitors. We are stewards. We are leasers, renters. We're not owners. The only owner is God. It's incredible. It's a, it is, it's just, it's a mind-blowing concept. And this is the basis of the next mitzvah in our parsha, which also has far-reaching consequences. If your brother or sister should fall upon hard times and become needy. So, if a person, again, living in Israel during biblical times, becomes needy, what do they do? Well, when a person becomes needy, they first have to sell off whatever they own to be able to feed themselves and support themselves. So when your your fellow becomes needy, and he sells his inherited property, the property that's been in his family going back for generations, he had to sell it. He had to sell his house. He had to sell his field. So of course you understand, if you sell your field in an agricultural society, if you sell your field so you can put food on the table today, this month, maybe this year, but you've lost the resource to be able to support yourself long-term. So it's a trade-off. You can sustain yourself for a while, but you're going to be in trouble. If you sell your house because you need to put food on the table, well, but you still have to live somewhere. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to maybe rent something, but if you rent something, remember, you're not, you're, you're expending money and it's not a, 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 a resource that you're going to be able to, to have in perpetuity. So, of course, we, we understand once Yovel comes, you're going to get it back. Okay, fine. That's good. That's, that's great. And this is a really important part of what Yovel is for is to be able to interrupt the cycle of poverty. A person became poor, Nebuch, they had to sell their property. They won't have a way to support themselves. They're going to go into greater and greater debt and need. So we have a system every 50 years, we reset. Everything goes back. So you're going to get your field back. You're going to get a second chance. You're going to be able to start over again. Amazing. 
That's incredible. But what happens if it's 10 years until Yovel? What happens if it's 48 years until Yovel? That's a long time to have to wait until you're going to get your feedback. How are you going to support yourself? So the Torah says, Uva go'alo hakarovelov, your closest relative can be your goel, your redeemer. Vigoal es mimkar ochiv, and one relative can redeem the property for another relative. So what that means is as follows. Let's say I'm a person and I own property and I become poor. So I have to sell the property. My closest relative can do an amazing mitzvah. Of course, if he or she is willing to, if he or she is able to, they can buy back that property and return it to me as an act of tzedakah. So it's costing them real money return it to me, and I'm going to be able to support myself again. If it's a field, I'm going to be able to, to plant and harvest the crops. I'll be able to uh, continue to earn a livelihood. So my relative can do the same thing now that is only going to happen sometime in the future with the Yeovil year. But of course, Yeovil, it happens automatically, and nobody has to pay for it, or everybody has to pay for it. But this is a relative stepping up and saying, I'm going to put out this money, buy back the fields, and return it to you so that you'll be able to support yourself. It's an amazing, incredible mitzvah. And this mitzvah is the basis of a main element in Sefer Rus, in the book of Ruth, that we're going to read soon on Shavuos. So let's understand how this works. The book of Ruth begins with Naomi, who's married to Elimelech. They have two sons, Machlon and Kilion. They live in Beis Lechem, Bethlehem. There's a famine, and they leave. They are wealthy, respected, but they leave because of the famine. Elimelech dies. Machlon and Kilion die. Naomi is going to return because the famine is over. And she has her former daughter-in-law, Rus, Ruth, and she's, the two of them are going to come back together to Israel, to Beis Lechem. But they're going to come back as paupers. They have nothing. They lost everything. And Naomi says about herself, Ani halakti, I left Israel full. I had a husband. I had two sons. I had wealth. I had uh, prestige. People respected me. Hashem. And Hashem decided that I'm going to come back empty. No family, no money, no prestige, because people resented the fact that her husband left. He was actually a leader. Her husband left when he when he should have been leading and helping, but he left. Okay, so you have these two women, Naomi and Ruth. They come back to Israel, and they're and and they have no money. So how do they support themselves? So the Torah tells us the 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 the. Sefer Rus tells us, They came back to Beis Lechem at the beginning of the barley harvest. That means Pesach, around Pesach time. They came back around Pesach time. Okay, so what does a person do in biblical times if they're living in Israel and they don't have any money and they have no way to support themselves? They, they have no fields, they have no business, they have no money. So, there's a mitzvah in last week's Torah portion, the parsha of uh, MR, a mitzvah, two mitzvahs, peah and leket. 
So peah means the corners of the field. Leket means the gleanings, that which is dropped. So you have an owner of a field. And when the harvest comes, number one, the owner is required to designate the corners of the field, the four corners of the field, and not collect, not harvest, and leave that for the poor. Anyone who's in need can come and collect as if they are the owner. We discussed this before. And there is another mitzvah called leket. So the owner has employees, workers, who are harvesting his crops. So they, they're walking down the row and they're picking the, whatever it is, the, the, the tomatoes, the grapes, the cotton, whatever, whatever it is they're picking. And poor people, so when you're picking something, you're, you're moving down the row and normally you drop things as you, you know, you pick it and you put it into your bag and you pick it and you put it into your bag, you keep walking. It's hard work, but a few pieces drop. So the mitzvah is the worker is not allowed to pick up what drops. He's got to leave it. If it drops, leave it. Don't touch it. And the poor people are walking behind the worker. They're making the second pass. Whatever drops, the poor are allowed to pick it up and take it for themselves. So this is how one of the ways that people in need would support themselves through this system. So this is what happens. We see it in action. Um, Rus says to Naomi, I'm going to go to someone's field and I'm going to collect in the, the, the peya and the leket. And it just so happens that the field that she goes to belongs to a man named Boaz who happens to be related to Elimelech, Naomi's husband that died. Boaz is a nephew. Elimelech had a brother who also had died earlier, and his son is Boaz. So Boaz is the nephew of Elimelech. Okay, she goes to this field, she's collecting peah, she's collecting leket, and she comes home with a very large amount of food. So uh, Naomi says to her, wow, you bring home so much. I didn't expect you to have such a, a good harvest day today. Where were you collecting? And Rus says, I was collecting at the field of a man whose name is Boaz. Rus didn't know who it was. Remember, she's not from there. She doesn't know anybody. His name is Boaz. And Naomi says, oh my goodness. Wow. Boaz, vatomer la Naomi. Naomi says to her, karov la Nahoish. He is our cousin. He is my husband's, who died, my, my late husband's nephew. Wow, what a coincidence. Of course, there's no coincidences in life, but it sounds, it seemed like a coincidence. What an amazing thing. You just happen to be in the field of my husband's nephew. Migoalenuhu. He is our redeemer. What does that mean? It means he is in a position that he could fulfill this mitzvah in our parsha of Geulas Karkov, redeeming the, 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 the fields. Because when Naomi and Elimelech, who were wealthy, when they left, the debts that they had incurred were satisfied, their creditors were satisfied by selling off their property. So when, when Naomi comes back, she has nothing left because it was all sold to satisfy her debts to satisfy the creditors. But if Boaz would be willing to do this mitzvah in our parsha of redemption of property, Boaz could theoretically, hypothetically, buy back the fields and return them to me. And I would be able to support myself and you and, and you know, I'd be able to, to go on. So Naomi says, wow, this is an amazing thing. 
He is our relative and he could be our redeemer. So, Naomi arranges a way that Rus will raise this topic with Boaz. And Boaz says to Rus, that's a great idea. I would love to do that. There's just one little technical problem. Viata ki amnam ki goelanochi. Yes, it's true. I am a potential redeemer. However, I'm not the closest relative. So the way the mitzvah works is the, the closest relative has the right of first refusal. If he's not willing to do it or she's not willing to do it, then you go to the next relative. And then the next relative, the next relative. So Boaz, the fields originally belonged to Elimelech. Boaz is a nephew of Elimelech, but there is a brother. And he is referred to by the name Plony in this narrative. Plony is Elimelech's brother. He's closer to Elimelech. I'm just a nephew of another brother that had died. So um, so I would love to do it, but I'm not the closest relative. But Boaz says to Rus, don't worry. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go meet with Plony and I'm going to ask him either you redeem the field, but if you're not willing to, I'll do it. So Boaz says to Rus, don't worry. I'm going to take care of it. One way or another, I'm going to do what you want. Okay, the next day, Boaz meets Plony and he says to him, listen, you are the closest relative to Elimelech, the late Elimelech, and you have the opportunity to buy back the fields that have been sold and you could return them to Naomi and she would be able to support herself. Clearly, the, the, the assumption is both Boaz and Plony are men of substance, financial substance, that they're financially able to do this amazing mitzvah. Okay, that's that's really important, obviously. So so Boaz says to Plony, uh, you're the closest relative. You have the first crack at this mitzvah. Do you want to do it? And Plony says, I can't do it. I pass. Okay. So once the closest relative passes, Boaz is the second closest. So Boaz says, I'm going to do it. Now it's my mitzvah. I'm going to do it. And Boaz buys back the fields that had originally belonged to Elimelech, and he returns them to Naomi. And now Naomi is no longer poor and impoverished. She has a way to support herself. And the story ends well for her. And not only that, but Boaz also marries Rus. Boaz and Rus get married, and so it ends up very, very well for Rus and for Boaz as well. And Vatelid Bain, and shortly afterwards, they have a, a child, they have a son. And that son is named Oved. And the end of the book of Ruth is the following verse. Boaz, Holid es Oved, Boaz's son, Boaz and Rus, their son is Oved. Oved's son is Yishai, and Yishai's son is David, David Amelech, King David. David Amelech is the grandson of Rus. So what you see from the book of Ruth, and really it's the it, it's really the a main part of the narrative is that the structure of chesed, of acts of kindness, 
within the family to help one family member who is in need. And let's understand what this does on a social level. It encourages that large extended families should stay in good terms with each other, should stay close to each other, because if you need help, who are you going to turn to? Well, there's this mitzvah that you could turn to a family member to be able to get back on your feet, to have a second chance. So the narrative of the book of Ruth is based on the mitzvah in our parsha of redemption of property. And that amazing mitzvah and the union, the marriage of Boaz and Ruth leads to the birth of King David, which will lead to the birth and the coming of Mashiach, of the Messianic era. There's a famous statement of our rabbis in the Medrash. Amar Rebbe Ze'era, Rebbe Ze'era says, Megillah this story of the book of Ruth, There are no laws, there are no rules, there are no mitzvos. Now, the truth is, just let me put in parentheses, that's not exactly true. There are actually a number of very important legal principles that come from this work, but it's mainly not about that. It's a narrative. Why was this work written if there are no mitzvos commanded here? This book is teaching us how much reward comes to those who act with kindness and compassion to others. Boaz acted with kindness and compassion to Ruth, to Naomi. Ruth acts with kindness and compassion to Naomi and to Boaz. It's just this amazing circle of kindness and compassion and giving second chances. And to show you the reward that it leads to David HaMelech and it leads to Mashiach. And it all comes from the mitzvah in our Torah portion, this week's Parsha Bahar. My friends, thank you very much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. I look forward to seeing you tonight on Zoom at 7 p.m., Mining the Riches of the Parsha. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.